earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Are you in your car? At home? Somewhere else with your mobile device? Catching the podcast? Well, friends, we're in the final stretch of our summer series, Touching Others with Our Faith. Kind of like being on third base and getting ready to run to home plate. My sincere hope is that we've been discovering ways to reach out to people in our circles of relationships by taking advantage of naturally occurring but God-engineered circumstances that lead into spiritual conversations so we can shine for Jesus each day. So friends, today in part eight, let's look at some lasting keys to touching others with our faith. And if you've missed any previous programs in this series or want to share these teachings with others, don't worry. The podcasts are freely accessible at faithtalk1360.com under local program podcasts. Well, friends, today I'd like to begin our study by sharing an interesting and true event that occurred in the life of a young man named Jerry in Dallas, Texas. Jerry is a Christian who works in Dallas and commutes via motorcycle each day. One day, Jerry pulled into a parking spot and noticed in the spot next to him a motorcycle exactly like his. Two nights later, leaving work, Jerry came out to the parking lot and noticed his mirror was missing. So he looked in a nearby spot where the other bike happened to be parked, and behold, there was his mirror on that other person's bike. Jerry knew it was his because of some scuff marks and scratches that were on it. He couldn't believe it. Actually, he was fuming, and not only unfastened the mirror and put it back on his own bike, he flooded the engine on the other guy's bike. Of course, flooding the engine didn't do any damage, but it just took the guy a little extra time to start, you know, just to frustrate him a little and punish him. Well, when Jerry got home, the Holy Spirit began working on him and convicting him of his retaliatory attitude and actions that night. So Jerry went back to the parking lot to discover that the other guy's bike was still there. He thought to himself, I really need to treat this person as if they were someone with a deep need. Apparently his need is a mirror since he stole mine. So he quickly zipped over to a nearby store and bought a mirror just like his and attached it to the other guy's bike. He also left this note. I know you stole my mirror. I am the one who flooded your bike. But because of a relationship I have with Jesus Christ, he would not tolerate that attitude and behavior in my life. Along with that note, Jerry left his name and phone number. Well, friends, the very next night, that guy called Jerry and said, You know, I've stolen a lot of things in my life, but I've never got that kind of reaction. Can we talk? 
So that night, this young man drove over to Jerry's apartment, got down on his knees, and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now, friends, I've shared with you in the past that what often marks us out as Christians is how we react to the circumstances of life. Many times it is precisely our responses to life's circumstances that cause others to take notice of us. You see, friends, these days, especially with everyone wearing their emotions on their sleeve and the heightened anxiety and frustration level that we're all living with day in and day out, a spirit-controlled temperament certainly stands out. Last time I asked this question, are we excited about and do we anticipate or look forward to the possibility that the Lord may provide us with an opportunity to touch someone with our faith? This time I'm going to ask that since we began this summer series, are you in the habit of getting up each morning and reminding yourself that ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God? And have you developed the daily habit of praying the engineer's prayer? You know, Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me? You see, friends, just like Jerry in today's true story, the Lord will lead us into circumstances with family members, neighbors, co-workers, acquaintances, and even the stranger we providentially bump into now and then that we've affectionately called Person X. And these encounters have the same objective. Maybe this will help us as we seek to be available for the Lord, to be used by Him for His glory. And let me remind you, listen carefully. God wants people to know He loves them. It's just that simple. Let me say that again. God wants people to know He loves them. After all, hasn't the most well-known verse in the Bible made that clear? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever is believing in him should not perish but have eternal life. Has God stopped loving the world of people? Of course not. We just need to get it through our thick heads that God wants to love the world of people through us. That's why, friends, I repeat our ministry mantra each time. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And remember, not just through channels, but through loving channels. Each of the encounters with people that we have looked at in the scriptures thus far contain a common thread of characteristics. Let's review some of them. In John 4, we analyze Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. Some characteristics Jesus exhibited were, first, he made himself available, and not just passively available, as in the attitude, if someone appears to be in need today, I'll try to help them, but rather actively available. In other words, choosing to go out of his way to minister to the Samaritan woman. Remember, passing through Samaria was not a geographical necessity, but a spiritual necessity. That's why I called that segment Looking with Jesus' Eyes. So, we could tag on to our engineer's prayer this additional thought. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me 
and Lord, help me to look with Jesus' eyes. Jesus' look was a proactive look. Jesus was actively available, not just passively available. Second, Jesus recognized stepping stones to final faith and created a hunger and a thirst for spiritual knowledge. Third, he was patient. Fourth, Jesus asked questions. Fifth, he was straightforward, yet tactful. And sixth, Jesus saw beyond the immediate need, yet he met the immediate need as a bridge to bring the answer to a person's spiritual need. Next, in Acts 8, we examine Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. This segment I called Listening to the Spirit's Voice. Philip exhibited some of these very same characteristics. First, he made himself available. Second, Philip also recognized stepping stones to final faith. He did that with a question, asking if the eunuch understood what he was reading and then interpreting the passage for him. Third, he also demonstrated patience. And fourth, like Jesus, the characteristic Philip adds to this mix that we must read between the lines is that he was both a man of prayer and sensitive to the Spirit's voice. Next, in Luke 10, we observe the Good Samaritan, who exhibited several of these same characteristics. First, he made himself available. Second, the Good Samaritan felt compassion and showed love. And third, he cared enough to meet the man's immediate needs. Next, we unpacked some additional important elements in the equation of touching others with our faith. First, we studied spiritual love, in other words, biblical love, agape love, and what it meant to accept the challenge to love with the Lord's love, in other words, understanding Christ's love and how to imitate it according to the Bible's definition. You may recall me sharing, when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, we forfeit forever the right to choose whom we will love. A second element we dissected was spiritual favor, in other words, grace, and what it meant to bring grace to others, and in so doing differentiate between merely humanitarian efforts and Christian ministry. You may recall me saying that when we minister to others, we don't just bring goods, we bring grace. And a third element we unwrapped was spiritual motivation and why we do the things we do. In other words, understanding that our goal should be to bring glory to God and not share or take any credit for ourselves. Instead, acknowledge or point to the Lord as the supplier of all our resources. Remember how our ministry mantra begins? Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs. So friends, would you consider praying a bold and gutsy prayer? One that incorporates the elements I've just mentioned? Well, here it is. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. And, Lord, help me to look with Jesus' eyes. Help me to hear the Spirit's voice. Help me to love whomever you bring across my path. Help me to bring grace. And, Lord, I ask these things because I want you to get the glory. 
Friends, I'm challenging us all. In fact, I'm daring us all to be praying this prayer on a daily basis. In fact, friends, this prayer is a fitting foundation to understanding today's installment called Lasting Keys to Touching Others with Our Faith. And there are three of them. The first key is intercessory prayer. The second key is building bridges. And the third key is confronting people. Now, friends, please don't be intimidated by the word confronting. I'll define that in just a minute. So today, let's take a look at Acts 16 and the portion of Scripture about Paul and Silas being cast into prison. In their travels, they visited Philippi and were looking for a place of prayer. On their way, they were confronted by a female slave who was a fortune teller. In fact, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. It must have been a little annoying because she followed Paul and his troop around shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. So let's pick up the story in 1618. This fortune teller kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul was so annoyed that he said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What? No whining? No complaining? No, it's just not fair! Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, "'Don't harm yourself! We're all here!' The jailer called for lights and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word to him and to all the others in his house. Well, shortly after this, it says that the jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household, and also Paul and Silas were released and they left in peace. Now, friends, I need to bring us up to speed how the stage was set for why Paul and Silas embarked on these travels. In Acts 15, a council was convened in Jerusalem. It was kind of like the first church board meeting. It was originally convened because of a dispute over whether Gentile converts should be forced to follow the law of Moses. A letter was drafted to be delivered and read to the churches in Antioch since the dispute originated there. 
It was then decided that after the meeting, the apostles and elders should pay a visit to the churches in Antioch and surrounding regions to encourage the Christians there. So Paul and Silas headed out together and later picked up Timothy in Lystra. As they traveled from town to town, they also delivered the decision handed down at the council meeting. So as chapter 16 opens and the ball starts rolling, some significant statements are made about the leading of the Holy Spirit. In 16, 6 through 11, we see the Holy Spirit redirecting them and preventing them from going to certain areas. Then Paul receives a vision that they should go to Macedonia and preach the gospel there. Eventually, they ended up in Philippi, and the incident with the jailer occurred that we read earlier. Now, in the portion we read, friends, I'd like to point out a few significant things that tie in with today's installment, lasting keys to touching others. In chapter 16, verse 12, there's a strategy mentioned regarding bringing the gospel First, going to a leading city. In other words, discerning where people might be by seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance, but also using one's intelligence to know where the good fishing spots are, so to speak. For the first century apostles, this usually meant going to a port city or a key commerce city so that the gospel shared would be taken with the business travels to wherever they came from. In verse 14, we see the apostles recognizing stepping stones to faith in their coming across the woman Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. The text says the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. In verses 25 through 28, we see Paul and Silas, after being beaten and thrown into prison, praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners listening to them. Now, friends, please permit this Jersey guy a little latitude. Allow me to add in some of my Jersey sarcasm. Paul and Silas weren't whining, being bummed out that they were cast into prison. They weren't praying, Lord, get us out of here so we can be out there preaching the gospel. Evidently, their God wanted them preaching the gospel in there. Friends, let's not forget how Paul opened up his letter to the Philippians. In chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This is another of Paul's jail experiences being spoken about. He then goes on with, Everyone here knows I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Whoa! Paul even remarked that it had become clear throughout the palace guard that he was in chains for Christ. Now, friends, let's put our lasting keys template over Paul and Silas's experiences. Our first key was intercessory prayer. And I propose to you that when the text said that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns right after being beaten, their prayers were not whining and grumbling prayers. I'll even go out on a limb and contend that they were praying for the prisoners around them and wanted their joy in the Lord to be seen and heard so they could touch others with their faith. 
And key number two was building bridges. I'm positive that in a subtle, maybe even indirect way, being sensitive to the Spirit's leading, Paul and Silas desired to make themselves available to become bridges to the other prisoners around them. After all, look what happened to the jailer himself. Friends, notice how God engineered circumstances for both Paul and Silas and the Philippian jailer so they would be brought together at this moment in time so divine resources would meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. The discerning apostle Paul converted a human circumstance into a divine circumstance and converted a natural conversation into a spiritual conversation that resulted in the jailer becoming saved. The jailer's fear of execution for losing prisoners turned into the jailer's faith and being saved from more than just earthly consequences. Amen? And key number three, confronting people is evident here too. Friends, earlier I said not to be intimidated by the word confront. The most basic definition of confront is to bring face to face. Acts 16.30 has often been used in evangelism training, but notice the original context of that verse. It's not spiritual at all. Friends, this is the great thing about listening to the Spirit's voice and making ourselves available to be loving channels for the Lord's use. Our lives become a spiritual adventure, like a roller coaster ride with God. God can engineer any natural circumstance and turn it into an opportunity for the gospel. We just have to be looking, listening, and readily available. Friends, don't you just love how Paul and Silas made themselves available and took advantage of a non-spiritual opportunity and turned it around into a spiritual opportunity? The outcome being ministry took place when divine resources met a human need through some loving channels to the glory of God. Paul and Silas brought the jailer face to face with the claims of the gospel at a critical moment in his life. The jailer cried, save my neck. But Paul and Silas cried, let us save your soul. And just look at the rippling effect here. As a result of being available and taking advantage of this opportunity, God engineered to present the gospel to the jailer, a door opened to bring his whole family to Christ. Remember, friends, confronting is key number three. It's not key number one. Prior to key number three has to be keys one and two intercessory prayer and building bridges so friends be confident and be bold when you begin praying for people and extending god's love to them in whatever appropriate ways you can build bridges the lord will open and prepare hearts just like he did with jerry's motorcycle contact and just like he did with lydia because friends as we've been learning ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. My hope is that our summer series is helping us all to look with Jesus' eyes, listen to the Spirit's voice, live out the Savior's call, love others with God's love, 
leave the solution to Christ, let God's grace flow through us, light our world to the glory of God, and utilize the three lasting keys to touching others, intercessory prayer, building bridges, and confronting people. Let's pray for the people around us in our circles of relationships who need Jesus so they can see Jesus in us. And let's seek the Holy Spirit's help for ways we can naturally and creatively touch others with our faith. Friends, remember our engineer's prayer. How has God been moving in response to your prayer? Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so you can love them through me. Today's broadcast will close out with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear how God is working in your lives to touch others with your faith. Please also consider joining a Word from the Word support team. Just ask me for the details. Thanks to you who are helping keep this program on the air. My hope that is especially during these unsettling times, you are being blessed encouraged and sustained. Remember also that the podcasts are freely available at faithtalk1360.com. Just search under local program podcasts. Forward this link to friends and family or the people you think will be blessed and fed from these teachings. Thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the Word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Say the word.